Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We are going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. So as you're uh, processing the info from Pastor Mark, you're getting ready to Listen to the message. Grab your Bible. Hebrews chapter 13 is where I'm going to be. And before I get into the scripture for the day, I want to give a story about Easter. I know it seems like Easter was like months ago, but it was uh, just a few short weeks ago. And um, we took a call here at the church around Easter from Hope Ministries. Some of you know that Hope Ministries is a homeless center in downtown South Bend. They're Christ-centered. The Vineyard has partnered with them on several different occasions, and they called with the request around Easter for us to try to put together some service, I'll call it, for, uh, for their residents. Now, if you recall, at Easter, that was the time that we couldn't get together with more than 10 people in a room. And so uh, what Hope was asking is, can someone come on site and do multiple services for their residents that would be signing up for a specific time? So it was like this factory setup, right? You, you go, and when I say service, it was probably 20 minutes at most. And they would go and sit 15 feet apart, and there were tables between everybody, so we didn't get close. Like, it was all laid out. And so I had time that day, and I said yes and was happy to do it. And, uh, and got down there and got started. Now, just to give you a, a sort of a, a clue of what it looked like, there were chairs for everybody, so I had a chair, and we would start worship, and the worship was sort of on an older iPod. It wasn't even an iPhone, right? It was just an iPod through some speakers. It wasn't the best setup, and it was odd because there were probably eight or ten people in the room only, and uh, so they would start worship, and, you know, it wasn't the greatest sounding worship through the speakers, and not everybody sang very loud at all, and so I would give an eight-minute message, right, pray afterwards. And so about the fourth or fifth one of the services that I was doing, sitting during worship, my head was down, and I was trying to sing quietly, I don't know what it was, whether it was somebody singing more loudly or whether maybe the Lord prompted me, but I lifted my head up, and what I saw across from me was this woman who was a resident at, the, uh, at Hope, and she, during worship, had her hands raised, her eyes closed. I think there were even tears in the middle of worship. She was just lost in the moment. She, it didn't matter what was going on around her, it seemed. It didn't matter the circumstances of COVID-19 or that she was in a homeless shelter. She just looked content. She just looked like it didn't matter what was going on. She was content in the moment, and it got me thinking, am I that content with all the cha- everything happening? Am I that content? Now, just to level set for everyone listening, here's sort of my definition. I've, I've taken like three different places of what the definition of contentment is and jammed it together. Here's what a definition of contentment is. It's where I have more than enough strength for the current situation. I'm peaceful. I'm happy. I don't need aid or support. Everything around me can be falling apart or changing, but yet I'm still good. Now, just to be transparent, 
uh, I'm not perfect at this whole contentment thing, and I'll share a couple of areas here in a couple of minutes that I'm still working on in my life to be content with. But here's what I think. Here's what I noticed with this, with this woman at Hope who was captured in the moment, who was content in her situation. When we figure out this contentment thing, joy is not far from that. You know, in, in Scripture, Paul writes about contentment. Paul, in the New Testament, writes much of the New Testament, letters to different churches. And he writes things like this about contentment. Here's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, therefore, I am, look at this, well content. He's well content. He's good, well content with what? With weakness, insults, distresses, with persecutions and difficulties. Wow. For Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong. He's content with even the hard things. He's figured this out. In Philippians 4.12, he writes this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's figured out this secret of contentment. And that's what we're going after today because we're living in a time where change is everywhere. We're having to make decision after decision and figure out how to be content in our situation. So here's a question for all of us. How content are you? In our current season, how content are you? I'll let that question simmer for just a second. Now, for some of you, I've talked to a few, you're actually really content with being in lockdown, sort of slowing your life down, sort of being on the, on the couch more and hanging out with family more, which is amazing. But here's just a reality as you consider this question, as you consider how content you are, in the next three days or three weeks or in the next three months, things are going to change again. Things are going to open up and we're going to have to wonder, can I go back to church? Can I go out to a restaurant? Can I go to a parade? Can I do this? Can I do that? In all this change, some of you have lost jobs. You're going to have to figure out, how content am I? Which is why today I'm speaking in this series that we've called Discovering Joy on this topic of contentment. And actually, what I want to try to get to in this text we're about to read is how we can become not just content, but how we can become confidently content. How we can live a confidently content life. And I want to highlight this verse in Hebrews. This is going to be our text today. Hebrews chapter 13 just a couple of verses, starts in verse 5. It says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I, not, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In those few verses, what I see is how to live a life that is confidently con uh, content. But before I unpack that in those verses, let me pray. Will you pray with me? So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing 
And I pray, God, I pray for everyone listening today. God, would you speak to all of us? Would you speak to all of us so we can better understand how to be content in seasons of our life like the one that we're in now? God, we need to hear from you, so open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you would have for each of us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in the text that I read today, here's what I see. Contentment is being confident that Jesus is enough. This is not going to be a multi-point message. How do you have another point after this one, right? Contentment is being confident that Jesus is enough. Look at verse 5. It says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. I just, I want to be transparent with you. There's a long season in my life where I was not content with what I had. So I uh, spent over 20 years in the marketplace, and it seems like many times during those 20-plus years, I would look at the next opportunity ahead of me. I'd look at the next title that I could achieve, and I would scratch and claw and fight my way to it because I, it didn't seem like I was content with what I had. So I would just go after promotion after promotion, and after 19 years, I ended up leading the organization that I was with. I was the top person. I, I clawed my way to the top. And now that I look back on it, it's a little embarrassing to even share this. Even though I had achieved my dream, I can remember thinking during that time, I bet there are bigger and better opportunities in other communities at bigger places. Now, I don't think that's just type A, Pastor Steve. I I think our culture drives us in a way to be discontent in our current circumstances. You know, even this, that was a big thing in my life, but I can even share with you that I'm discontent in some of the small areas of my life in this season. I would really like, you know what I miss? I miss going to a really busy coffee shop. I'm not a coffee snob at all, but I like going to a coffee shop that's sort of loud, and then I can read a book, I can write a message, whatever it is. I just miss that. I miss going to restaurants with my friends. I miss fully bringing everyone back to a room and worshiping Jesus together. Those are some things that I miss, that I'm not content with. You know, speaking of contentment, I want to go back to look at Paul. Paul had that secret that he figured out of contentment, so let's, let's think about him for a second. Paul was in prison for a, a number of years during his ministry, and he wrote about contentment while he was in prison. So let's think of the things that Paul had for a second in prison. So Paul had himself. Paul had uh, in prison probably some clothes. Uh, pencil. They have pencils back then? Paul had some dirt, right? He, he had virtually nothing. Yet he writes things like this, Philippians 3, 7. He writes, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So anything, he says, outside of knowing who Jesus is, everything else is garbage. And that word garbage in the original language, it doesn't just mean like wadded up pieces of paper or old food scraps. That word garbage that he uses is actually a similar word to poo. Right? He's saying that it's not just garbage. It's like the waste. It is nothing. That's what he's saying. Jesus was enough for Paul. You know, I could have highlighted many verses throughout the New Testament of how Jesus came and he was enough to certain situations. I I could have used the text where Jesus is in front of 5,000 people and there's just a few loaves of bread, few fish, and he multiplies it in this miraculous thing and feeds everybody. I could have used that because Jesus was enough. I could have used the text. It's kind of a fun one where they were debating, how, should we pay taxes? How are we going to pay taxes? And Jesus sends Peter to a fish who has a coin in its mouth to pay the taxes. Jesus was enough. I could have used the text where Jesus goes to a wedding banquet and they run out of wine and Jesus provides the wine. Jesus was enough. But I want to highlight this fact that Jesus is enough with an account. It's actually in John chapter 8 of an adulterous woman. I don't know what's going on in this woman's life. We don't know a lot about her before or after this account. But this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Which means this woman, again we don't know a lot about her, but she's seemingly Things are not going great in her life, and she is trying to fill something in her life with something that she should not be doing. And she gets caught in the act, and her accusers drag her in front of Jesus because actually someone caught in this act, the punishment is death by stoning. And so they've got this woman caught in adultery, and they've taken her in front of Jesus to find out what he would say. Now, this is just my uh, version of what Jesus says. Jesus looks at the woman. He stares at everyone that's accusing her and says, Hey, any of you who have sinned, who have not sinned, who are without sin, throw the first stone. And here's what happens. John chapter 8. Look at this. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until... Only Jesus was left. Stop. Don't read anymore. Look at this scene. Only Jesus was left. You know what I, what I see in that is I see Jesus standing in front of this woman who was caught in adultery. Everyone's accusing her, and she's staring face to face with Jesus. Where is the woman's lover who she was just with? He is not there defending her. Where is this woman's family? Where is this woman's friends? No, they didn't even come to support. What was left in this moment was Jesus and Jesus alone. And likely this was the moment of her life. This could have been the apex, the mountaintop of this woman's life was her with Jesus. And he was enough. Look what he does. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? 
No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus looks at her and not only rescues her from physical death in the moment, but points her into a direction where she can have eternal life as well. It's the apex of her life, alone with Jesus. He was enough. Do you realize this? Jesus is enough. There is no one who can comfort like Jesus. The love that Jesus provides is unmatchable. There is no title on earth that matches the title that when Jesus looks at you, he gives. There is no relationship that is better than the relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. But too many of us run to other things. Like the adulterous woman, she ran to another man. Some of us run to other people or run to a substance. I want to unpack just in my own life, over the last couple of weeks, two circumstances that uh, I found myself in that highlights this point. The last six, seven weeks, I've had some rough days, much like you probably, where uh, it seems like, you know, depending on a news conference or depending on whatever rule or uh, we've had to adjust and make plans. And, and so some of those days, I'm just being honest with you, have been frustrating as we try to figure this out. And so what would happen is I would hear about it and be frustrated and I would go home to my wife, who is amazing, and I would start explaining, oops, that's a uh, secret for complaining, right? I would go home and I would just complain. It, it would be like verbal vomit of all the bad stuff of the day. And I did this on a couple of occasions. And what I realized after doing this a couple of times is that I would take my wife's good day that she had. And by the end of the day, when I got there, her good day after I complained would flip to a bad day. I was depending on her for comfort. She is amazing. She comforts. She loves, right? She's a great person. But what I was doing is I was depending on her for comfort. I was putting my bad stuff on her, asking her to carry it, and that's not what she's to do. And I, you know, I just, I just want to say this. Some of you are doing what I did in the moment. You are depending on other people for your contentment and for your comfort. You're depending, depending on your spouse or on your children. Let me say that again. Some of you are depending on your children for your own personal contentment, and that is too much for other people to bear. Jesus Christ is enough. You will never be content when you try to depend on other people for your comfort, it just won't work. It's too much for them to bear. The other example, just this week, I heard from someone that I had actually connected with before the whole COVID outbreak. We had met randomly, had a, uh, had a lunch meeting, and when we met before COVID, he was explaining how his career was taking off in this new direction, and it sounded amazing, and how his family was coming back together, supporting one another, and it was great. And it really looked like that he was headed in this brand new, fantastic direction. And then COVID-19 happened. I didn't hear from him since we met before. And just this week, just a couple of days ago, he sent me this text. And this text outlined 
that all of the career aspirations that he had were sort of set aside. He couldn't do them. Everything was on pause. And not only that, the family that he was supporting, the family sort of had a falling out. And he ended the text with this question. Where do I go from here? That was his question. Where do I go from here? And everything else that I could have told him, I could have told him, well, go to this person, go to that person, would not have been the answer. The real answer to that deep question is, Jesus is enough. Run to Jesus. Now, I don't want to oversimplify the problems that he or you are are going through. I, I don't want to do that, but there's this key There's this secret that Paul had, and I think part of it is this. If we look back in the text that we read earlier, Hebrews 13, it says this. So we say with confidence. I'm going to read that again. I want you to say confidence with me. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. We say confidently, the Lord's my helper. When we look at that word helper, that word helper in the Greek language isn't like Jesus is up in heaven, right? And he's uh, waiting for us to get there so he can give us some high five. Hey, you did great. Welcome to heaven. That's not it. The word helper in the original language is an action word. It actually means not only is it helping, but he's running to help. He's running when we call out to him, to help. We can confidently depend on Jesus because he's just waiting to run into those circumstances. I want to highlight how he does this through a God story. This God story is from Erica Beachy, and Erica has this story about how Jesus came and helped time and time again. Watch this. I didn't grow up going to church, um, but I wanted to go to church. I did go um, a couple times as a kid to Awana, and I learned one verse. I learned John 3.16, and uh, memorized that, had that in my heart, and um, had a desire to go to church, but tried a few different things, um, and went to a Catholic church for a little while, and it just didn't, it never really stuck. Then I got married, and we started having kids and I really wanted to take my kids to church Um, but we just never it just never got there life was sailing along I went to college got a degree in radiography my husband Jared had a lawn business and was doing well life is sailing along and we have our three kids Um, our daughter Charlotte was born on March 14th of 2010 We just welcomed her in and it was wonderful. And we went home the next day and uh, Jared was, he had a lawn care business and he needed to get his mowers ready for the upcoming season. So I'm in the house taking care of baby and kids and he's out in the barn working on his mower and put one of the mowers up on um, a jack and uh, it slipped out from underneath of the mower and fell on him and landed on his head. um, and fractured his skull and and he died instantly and in the meantime uh, my daughter Bella went out and she had she had found him came in and let me know we ran out there uh, as I looked under the mower I couldn't understand why he wasn't talking to me why he wasn't speaking back um, because he looked okay 
and we called 911 and they came and they they started to help and got the mower off of him and as they were trying to um, bring him back they were trying to get me to get out of the of the barn I didn't understand why he just looked okay he didn't I didn't see any of the the blood or the you know anything that was happening he looked totally fine to me um, but as we went to the hospital they let me know that um, that he had died instantly and so everything just it's like the rug was just yanked out from underneath and I didn't know what to do and we came home with one last person you know Jared didn't come home with us and so now life was gonna be me and the three kids um, but God stepped in and he said no I will be here and he fills in the gap and then he continued to help um, in the days to come you know I knew that um, as my house flooded with people that everyone was gonna go back to their life they had um, they were there to help and I was I was super grateful for it but I knew that they couldn't stay um, they were gonna go back to their to their normal lives and I had to figure out what my no, new normal was but I didn't really have to figure it out I just prayed and said God I'm gonna I'm gonna need I'm gonna need you um, they all have to go back home and I need you to be here with me and I just knew that he was I just knew that he was I remember specifically one night um, Tyler lost a toy sounds like a little thing but I I was just like at the end of my rope I'm like I just can't even go look for this toy and I remember praying to God and asking him God, will you help me find this <laughs> little toy it was like a little little tiny like Lego type thing and got up off the couch and I went straight to the toy. It was like under the bed, back in the back corner. And I was like, God's really here with me. And he really was helping me, he still is helping me every single day. Jesus is enough. He was enough for Erica at the really big things when her house was full and she praised that prayer of God, you gotta, you gotta help. And he did in the big things and even in the small things can we can we just pause for a second and wrap our brain around the moment that Erica is trying to figure out where a toy is it seems so inconsequential but Jesus in that moment realizes that Erica is at the end of her rope and it does not matter how small you think it is Jesus came and said this is where that toy is and she went and got it. Jesus is in the big things and the small things, and he is enough. And when we lean on him for help, he comes running. So here's a question for all of us. What or who are you depending on for help? What or who are you depending on for help? If it is if it is not Jesus, you will not be confidently content. There is no other answer than Jesus is enough. When everything changes around you, when we live in the middle of COVID-19 and you have to wonder every day, okay, what about this? What about that? What about the kids? What about school? What about church? What about all those things? Jesus is enough. When you're struggling with finances or you're considering a job change, Jesus is enough. He will never change. Look at this, verse 8. 
Jesus Christ, that we read this text, this is the last verse of the text for today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. When everything else changes around you and you struggle because contentment is not close, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we can believe that he will never change. That's why this works. The same Jesus that feeds 5,000 people, he's enough. The same Jesus who met the adulterous woman and no one else was there with her. Everyone else, friends, family, lovers, whoever it was, was gone. Jesus was there and he was enough. When Erica goes through a tragedy in her life, Jesus is enough. When the woman at Hope Ministries, homeless, in the middle of a small service with 10 other people, realizes that Jesus is enough. That same Jesus can bring contentment to you and to me. Contentment is being confident that Jesus is enough. Here's how I want to close the message today. I want to challenge any of you who are, after listening to this text, maybe God is prompting you specifically to figure out contentment in your life. I want you in the comments, Facebook, the Vineyard Live site, or YouTube, wherever you're watching, if you want personal prayer, I want you to put Jesus is enough in the comments, and I and a team of people just this morning will be praying for you by name. Just put in the comments, Jesus is enough, and that'll be my clue to be praying for you for contentment. So while you're doing that, I'm going to pray to close. So, Father, right now I pray that those listening, God, if they need personal prayer, if they need to lean into how to be confidently content, that you would prompt them just a a simple action of Jesus is enough in the comments. And, God, I pray as as we go today, we realize how great an answer you are. And how everything else falls short. So thank you, Jesus, for being enough. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.